You're listening to the Hutchins Old Boys podcast with me, an old boy, Ollie Gill. Over this series, we'll highlight the weird and the wonderful and some of the great stories from fellow Hutchins Old Boys that you might not be across. Enjoy. Yes, welcome back to another episode of the Hutchins Old Boys podcast with me, Ollie Gill. Cannot wait for this week's episode. We feature Paul Hudson of 1988, a shining light in Tasmanian football fame. It was a half forward. He spent seven seasons at Hawthorne. He kicked 264 goals. Also played, of course, for the Doggies and Richmond. Won a premiership, 1997, All-Australian cap. Firstly, Paul, welcome to the podcast. But when I read some of those highlights out, What's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Oh, look, I, I suppose walking away at the end of my career, I, I think I got the best out of my ability. There were probably times during my career, because of longevity, about 14 seasons, um, it, it can wane. Um, there was an awkward time there where I had to leave the Hawks, which I never dreamt uh, that I you know, would leave. And for my own football future, I had to go um, to the Bulldogs, and it was the best move I ever made. And then the end of my career for the last uh, season didn't finish the way I would have liked, obviously going to Richmond, and that didn't quite work out. So you take the good with the bad and walked away, you know, pr- pretty chuffed with what, what I achieved throughout my footy career. And it all it all started back in Tassie, really, growing up in Tassie. Well, there's plenty to talk about. So I suppose we should probably, let's just start uh, right from the beginning at Hutchins. You're wearing your old uh, Guernsey there. It looks fantastic. Anything I say with a collar uh, is, you know, that, that's, that's a good era for jerseys. But I suppose uh, from a, both a footy perspective and a school perspective, what do you think about when you think of Hutchins in 1988? What was Paul Hudson looking like? What was he doing? What was he thinking? What was he dreaming of? Yeah, it was the um, interesting time, especially playing, you know, I, I went to Hutchins because it was a reputable school and my, my parents wanted me to have a good education and it was it was a great move um, to, and I've made a lot of friends and still have a lot of mates and, and that's still in Tassie that I keep in touch with and um, I went from Dominic College to, to Hutchins in year seven and, and obviously went through to year 11 and I had to make a decision in year 11, you know, whether to um, continue year 12 or move across um, because Hawthorne wanted to pursue my football career. So I only completed what it was back then, a half a HSC. Uh, so, and moving to Melbourne, it was only a one-year system being a VCE. So, you know, it was a really awkward move uh, moving over, but uh, I'll get to that. But probably, you know, my time at Hutchins, it is a special school with the facilities that are provided. You know, looking back on it really, really helped. I loved playing footy on the WMO. You know, cricket training up on the top, top oval with Mr. Bramall and his coaching experience during, during the cricket. And the cricket even played a, a great time in my life at the school. And um, look, I've got one quick story and it it resonates with um, don't, the state. Don't make it quick, Paul. Don't make no, it no, quick. No, the, state, <laughs> uh, the state title. And this is my only claim to fame with, uh, with having played cricket during my, my career because I like playing that in the summer. Anyway, it was uh, we were playing um, Marist in the state final, so you get to bat a day each, and we um, were uh, asked to bat first, and I came in at number nine, and myself and Will Burberry, I, I came in at eight for seventy one, and myself and Will took it to nine for two hundred and ten, and then we got a score of two hundred and thirty three for the day, so I've ended up scoring seventy four, and Will scored I think forty eight. We had a really good um, partnership. So then the next day we obviously bowl 
an on-the-opening bowler, so I got a wicket, which was great. And we ended up bowling them out for 210, so we won the state final. So, you know, that was a really good uh, memory for me. However, the next year, unfortunately, I found myself still coming in at number nine after scoring 74. So, you know, you that was the end of my cricket career. What you're saying is, though, you probably should have played for Australia. Am I reading that correctly? No. I uh, technically wasn't very sound. Uh, Mr. Okay. Brown, I think, preferred other batsmen with t- more sound technique. Well, right. I would have suited more 2020, mate, to be honest. Bring it on. And it wasn't Nothing around. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. You're already wearing magenta. You could have gone straight to the Hobart Hurricanes with no issue whatsoever. So I suppose what we what I'd like to do is I, I will touch on Hutchins sort of throughout. But if we go to, to that moment there uh, where, where you've crossed over into, you know, the, the brown and gold, which you touched on there, is something that you obviously always wanted to. Your father played for the Hawks as well. So what was that at the time? Was it a pretty straightforward draft experience? or How does that sort of work? It was actually the first time the draft was introduced. So Hawthorne were keeping an eye on me as a, as a 15-year-old playing senior footy for Hobart. And mind you, again, I found myself and, and playing a lot of football because I was playing two games in one day. So, for example, there was there was a situation where I played for the school in the morning in the first 18. And then, you know, a few hours later, I'd either be going over the road to Queenborough or ended up having to jump in the car and head to Launceston and play up there for the afternoon. So, you know, playing two games in, in one day was, I think, good back then because I was playing against men and, and so forth. Um, so I had to grow up quickly. Um, physically be strong and and so forth. But I think, yeah, playing the two games actually helped me looking back on it, the amount of football that I was able to play. So, you know, they're they're quite precious these days about how much football you play and the loading and all this. So I was um, was quite fortunate in that situation that I was was doing that. But, yeah, the the whole draft process was really interesting because I ended up signing and uh, with the Hawthorne Football Club under the father and son rule pretty much in the car park at the school. No uh, a, guy called, a guy called John Hook. They realised only, um, say, a week or two weeks before the this situation of this new draft, and because I was eligible under the father and son, they had to make a decision and they wanted to take me with the father and son, so they had to get down so that I wouldn't end up in the draft and go somewhere else. Uh, of course. So hence the urgency to make some decisions as a family and mum and dad and my sister who – I can't thank enough for their support in deciding to support me to leave Hutchins at year 11 and go across in, in 88. It you can't know. have been a, an easy decision that from a, from your perspective, I'm sure it, it kind of would have been. You know, you've got the option of doing another year at school or play for Hawthorne or, <laughs> you know, but from a parental perspective, I can totally understand. But I suppose for someone who's never played at the highest level, uh, as a kid from Tassie, Going to Hutchins, we're obviously given pretty much the best opportunity to achieve those dreams, right? You know that that's obvious. Having yeah. said that, in Tassie, do you, you know there's still that something in the back of your mind that suggests you know you, you are removed from you know the, the bright lights of Melbourne uh, to a certain degree. And growing up for me, I could never imagine how great it must have felt to pull on a St Kilda jumper. You know, it would have just it would have made me up if I could have just done it once. So your first yeah. game, you pull on the brown and gold of Hawthorne. What was going through your mind? As a Tassie boy, you must have just been over the moon. Oh, it was relief, Ollie, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, just to, to, to get that game. And Hawthorne went through that process of having to do an apprenticeship and 
And I did that during uh, 88 and my, and my first year over there was horrific because I ended up again having to play school football for Camberwell Grammar, which is the school I went to for one year. Wow. I ended up in hospital for three months because of a ruptured spleen and bruised kidneys. So I had that um, that experience and VCE, not, a, not an easy year. It was the worst year of no, all time. Fine. But looking back on it, if I hadn't have done that, if it hadn't happened, I mightn't have played in the 91 grand final. So I had to play reserves and I won the reserves BNF, which is great, but I, I didn't want to win one of them ever again type of thing. And I had those couple of seasons under my belt and Alan Joyce was was really supportive of me, who ended up taking over from Jeansy, who I only had seven games under as a coach. And Joycey took over and he, he was um, just very supportive of me in that year and um, ended up playing in a grand final, which was a dream of mine as a kid. And if you had to see my bedroom up at Mount Stewart in Tassie, it was plastered with posters and Peter Knights and and I'll be honest, I haven't seen it. I'll be honest. That might be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, true. Um, Duna covers, you name it. I was just yeah. fanatical Hawthorne. And, um, yeah, it was just uh, – it really was relief playing my first game at Princess Park in 1990 uh, was was relief. And I only played the seven games in my first year and got dropped for the, for the final against Melbourne in the elimination final. Only – Purely, again, back then, because I didn't get the ground time from the week before. I'd only played about 10 minutes. So, um, But that sort of tests your resilience, and it did. And then, obviously, the next year, I was that determined over the summer and played in the grand final the next year. So it was a dream come true. Well, not only in that perspective, you kicked a couple goals in the grand final. Also came fifth, I think, in fourth or fifth in the Brownlow medal tally count. And for a first or second-year player, I mean, best case scenario, you get rising stars. You know, in 2020, you get rising star or certainly be in the mix, maybe pull a couple of po- uh, couple of points. But to to get fifth in the Brownlow medal, that must have been a serious proper first year, you know, like a proper, proper sort of go at it for you. Yeah, it gave me oh, – look, believe it or not, I'm, I'm not overly conf- a confident person, but I was more determined and I had this um, affirmation and whatever you want to call it just to want to play AFL footy. And it gave me a lot of confidence because I, I did. I started to get a little bit nervous there at one stage towards the um, Brownlow medal. And I thought, geez, I'm only, a, I'm only a best on ground out of this. And Jimmy Steins ended up winning it. But I, I, in, in a way, it was relief because, you know, like the expectation of, you know, Brownlow medals. But I was more focused, obviously, going into the grand final that Saturday sure. uh, with that. But I, I, I did get but it did give me a little bit more confidence, you know, with my football ability. And obviously, the more I played, the more the more confident I got. So, yeah. So then you spent six or seven great seasons with the Hawks, which must have been fantastic for you. But being traded to the Dogs, now there's two angles that we can take from this. But one I'd be really interested to, to just find out for people that might not be familiar with the sport or even familiar with sport, what's the feeling like when – a team that you've looked up, you know, you've you've admired and idolised all your childhood. You've then played. You've been in the inner, inner sanctum. What's the feeling like when they say to you, "You're you're going over to Footscray. You're, you're leaving." So if you're, you know, if you're working in a, a fish and chip store in <laughs> Richmond, and then you, all of a sudden you rock up one day and they say, "By the way, we're moving you down to Signet." You know, it must be tough. How do you kind of make sense of, of that decision? It must it must have been a strange one. 
Yeah, it did seem a little bit like Richmond down to Signet, to be honest, because the, the Bulldogs were rattling tins at the time and trying to survive. And I suppose there were a couple of there were a couple of factors. One, I never wanted to leave Hawthorne, and I was really devastated to see the news that night after I'd had open discussions with the club about leaving and discussing that. And for my own football future, that's how it was discussed, but it wasn't portrayed. It was the worst feeling playing against Hawthorne the first time I was at the Doggies. I was thinking about that um, the other night, and it just didn't seem... Norton did just didn't seem right. Even the build up, and the, I didn't get much sleep the night before because, you know, as you say, known Hawthorne all my life, and then to have be playing against him was was um, quite unusual. But the good part was I was going over to the Bulldogs. Yes, they were struggling, but it was the challenge to try and make them a better club. And what I'd experienced at Hawthorne as a family club, maybe I could take that over. And Terry Wallace, who was an ex-Hawthorne player, was the coach, and he was very positive. I needed a positive coach, not a negative coach. And he got the best out of my ability. And um, I can't thank Terry enough for convincing me to go across to the doggies and you know end up with getting a, an individual award in all Australian. But we were so close, and I still swear there was a goal in that 97 prelim that was a goal, and I'm calling conspiracy. Uh, but <laughs> sure. uh, Now, was that against Adelaide or St Kilda, that game? Yeah, that was Adelaide, yeah, uh, where they, they came back. And Darren Charman, who was an ex-teammate in the 91 grade final, got off the chain. And if we hadn't have had we had Danny Southern, he wouldn't have got off the chain, put it that way. Yeah, right. So uh, it's interesting talking to you about that feeling because not too long ago I spoke to another uh, Hutchins old boy, Mitch Hibbard, who currently plays for Essendon, uh, was drafted to North Melbourne and we were quite similar in age at school and he was a, a really big North Melbourne fan and would, would quite, you know, I wasn't mates with him because he was a year or two younger, but specifically remember him wearing his kangaroos gear, you know, to a, a footy colours day, whatever it might be. But he said that when it became clear that he was being drafted, at some point, he was going to tie his, you know, just just chop off all allegiance, you know, to the Kangaroos in case, you know, he was drafted anywhere. But it sounds like for you, it was almost the opposite. It was you were still going to have fifty percent professional mixed with fifty percent genuine love for the club, which is fantastic. Because <laughs> as I said, as a St Kilda fan, if another team came knocking, I'd go, well, uh, <laughs> I'm all right actually. I'm all good. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was. It was hard to do, yeah. yeah. And I, um, I had the support of my dad, who was obviously a Hawthorne legend and AFL legend. And I went away for the weekend and and gave it some thought and came back and had that discussion with him. He was totally supportive and could understand why. Mm-hmm. Um, and I trusted his opinion. And yeah, and, and it, like I said, it was I, it was a great move um, going under the doggies and getting to two prelims was um, you know a highlight of my career as well. And then uh, featured for Richmond towards the end of your playing career until you moved on to the, the backroom staff side of things. I suppose a bit of uh, – shed some light on on that transition. Towards the end of your career, at that in that era as well, are they encouraging you to get a trade, go out and look for, uh, you know, maybe a uni degree of some kind or, you know, or are they encouraging you to stay in football as best as possible? What, what, how do they sort of go about that? Yeah, it was – they introduced the um, uh, education, the AFL Players Association. Yep. So there was some remuneration there, and players still get that for the amount of years they play. They get um, like a bonus uh, amount of money for the amount of years you play, and that accumulates. Um, but it's not about the money, and you walk away, and you can you can invest that, you can do that with, with however you choose. But yep. they did have a uh, three-year education process as well. They encourage you to do 
some form of education, if you could, in that space whilst playing footy. But for three years after you finished, you're encouraged to sort of try and pursue that degree if that's what it was um, right. and yeah. and supported that for three years. And now that may be more. I'm out of touch with that, but it might even be more. So, you know, there, there very much was that support there, more from my era. Yeah, not much before that. Uh, yeah. It wasn't established with the Players Association. So that was um, that was good from that perspective. But I had this uh, in the back of my mind, or you know, that, that coaching and myself and Tony Liberatore were doing our level two and level three coaching courses while we were actually playing as well. Um, so we, I ended up stepping into that role, going to Langatha for a couple of years as, as a coach with Andrew Dunkley at the same time. Uh, I, I then pursued Gippsland under-18s. And that, that was great under Peter Francis, who's an ex-player, and he was a regional manager, but coached. And we had great success in 05, winning the grand final. The last... TRC Cup Grand Final to be played on the MCG in the West Coast Swans Grand Final and coached the likes of Dale Thomas, Scott Pendlebury, Xavier Ellis, um, Trent West, Lockie Hanson, keep rolling on. There were about a dozen. It was it was just a really good 05-06 under-18 experience for me. And then Lee Matthews got me up to Brisbane for two years and that was great. Lee let me um, find my feet when it came to, to coaching and learned a lot from him in a lot of areas of the coaching up there and then came back to Collingwood and was part of the 09-10 grand final, the replay, so under Mick. So that was, wow. you know, the, sort of two years as well. And then um, and then Ross Lyon got me down to St Kilda um, in 11 after winning the grand final. So I think he wanted some IP and yes, information yes. Uh, in a development role. And and then that was the last six years of my coaching to through to 2016. And in, in that dual role, I coached Sandingham in the last two years in 15 and 16. Now, I'll tell you what, when Lee Matthews uh, gives you a call, you pick up the phone, don't you? <laughs> that must have uh, been one call to receive. Yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I, reach, I reached out to him some time ago, like during that time. And, um, and it, yeah, I didn't quite believe that it, that it was him. So um, I think it was my proactiveness when I was coaching at un, uh, under-18 level. I reached out to Lee when we were playing the Queensland team up there and, um, and, and things evolved. And he remembered that. And he probably, right. mem- probably remembered the, the few games that kicked a few goals against Collingwood back in 1992. So, yeah, but we've got a family connection there. Obviously, he played with Dad and, and he was very supportive and gave me an opportunity to go up there for two years, which was fantastic in Brisbane. So from one line to another, back at Hutchins, uh, when you look back on it for you, was it – because this is one thing that I, I've always really admired about, about Hutchins and the people that I've – you know, become mates with and, you know, still friendly to the day with is that most people I know were, were always had their thing, you know, whatever it was, they had their thing. But at Hutchins, you could also branch out and, and, and dabble. Was that, did you find that or was it footy? Was it footy pretty much 24-7 or were there were there other sort of moments and pulls and attractions for you at the time? No, footy was number one. Um, cricket was probably number two. Played a little bit of basketball as well for yeah. the school. They were the three main sports. Uh, looking back on it, I think a real highlight for me was winning back-to-back state finals, you know, during those first uh, first 18 times. And obviously the people and, and the friends that you make, for example, Will Hodgman was a part of that. Now, Will went on to be premier, yeah. which, you know, which is which is great. So to, he, uh, he and I often talk about, you know, those state finals and um, having played football together. So, but then I've got, you know, walk away from, from Hutchins with a lot of mates uh, from that 
aspect, I, I still keep in touch with. And I'm a little bit disappointed because as, as we're speaking, obviously with COVID and so forth, my 50th was the 20th of July, just gone. Yeah. And I really couldn't do anything. And I was really looking forward to coming down uh, to Tassie because I'm going to have four or five days down at Bruny Island where I grew up as a kid. So we've had to push that back to February because we're going to do it around my, my dad's birthday, around February. So hopefully yeah. I can celebrate my 50th then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a frustrating time, isn't it? But as you touched on, one beautiful thing about uh, school footy in particular from when you transition. So for me, right, you know, I've only played school footy, so they're my best memories. But I would imagine, you know, you go into an AFL system and that becomes, you know, obviously that is the cream of the crop. But I've heard a lot of footy players, you know, look back so fondly of their time at school because it's not about, you don't have meetings. It's not necessarily about, you know, getting too many strategies out there. It's just the sport at its rawest form, which is with your friends on a cold winter's day and it's just great fun. Is that kind of why it almost is such a, a fond memory? Because he, it, the, the pressure wasn't on at that time, I suppose. It was, it was fun. Yeah, and uh, look, I'm a competitive, we're all competitive and you, you want to compete and do well and there was certainly that, but, you know, I'll, you can see. But obviously, you know, the school meant a lot to me relation to and wanting to, to keep my jumper and always look back on that and look back on that on good memories. And there's probably one person, because you talk about people who have influenced your career, maybe going through that school time. And I know he certainly hasn't been you know, through uh, through it very easily of, of late and years gone by. And it, that is Chris Ray. So, you know, Chris was, um, you know, the first 18 coach and he was very, very structured very methodical and was well organized when it came to, you know, training sessions and what we did, you know, we did the brick circuits and we'd, we'd do all that sort of stuff. And um, he was well versed in, in the skills, uh, in, in the training and game plan and, and what was what was expected back then. So I've, I've got him to, to thank a lot as well. And because you talk about coaches who influence your career, well, I reckon Chris did that. Yeah, a fantastic man, isn't he? Yeah, he's mm. one of those names that the, that the school is, uh, yeah, absolutely very fond of. So uh, towards the end of, of this chat, I always like to ask uh, our guests. There's a, a teacher, Miss Malarski, uh, who taught me at Hutchins, and i never forget, she said to me, the job you're going to do doesn't exist yet. And I have remembered <laughs> that and it's never left me. Now, is that an experience you've already found or do you feel like that's coming? Or has there been an element of what you've done that you've gone, yeah, actually, uh, you know, in 88 when I was sitting there at Archins, I probably didn't think that I'd be doing this in life. Well, I always, I always we've touched on it. I mean, I did dream of pursuing, you know, following my dad's footsteps and I just loved, I just loved footy. I grew up around it, you know, um, dad and I, our, our time together was dad would work extremely hard in the pub and then go and coach Glen Orkey and I would just hang around and be around that football environment and then obviously going into school and, and club footy as well. I did think if I was going to have a job that uh, my aspiration because I love sport would have been a PE teacher and right. I thought well that's something I'm going to pursue so uh, if football never worked out type of thing. I'm, I'm a bit of an ideas man. Um, I've still got some ideas and sure. I'm still working on one that Due to COVID as well, has sort of opened my eyes to trying to do something online in regards to coaching. Um, okay. That's something I'm sort of working on in the background. So that might be something that I didn't think about back at the time. 
that job that you're talking about that might be out there. We'll see what happens, but um, I'm still trying to do a little bit of research on how to set this up. With, um, so you're not talking about uh, inventions in the garage, are you, Paul? Or what, what are we talking here? <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's, it's, it's a sort of a simple but online way of uh, one-on-one coaching in a way. To, to I'm not going to say this is what it's called either, but fast-track kids in relation to maybe doing it online, which would save parents a lot of time, effort, travel, money, petrol, you know, all those sort of things. So uh, that's, that's the sort of idea I'm sort of working on at the moment. Well, Paul, thank you so much for your time here on the Hutchins Old Boys podcast. But one thing uh, I'd be fascinated to know, I know you've been disconnected somewhat from the Tasmanian footy system for a little while, but I'm sure you always like to keep your ears to the ground as best you can. What's the future of Tasmanian AFL? I mean, Grassroots seems to be doing some good things. We always produce at least maybe one person through through the draft, uh, as well as the AFLW involvement with North Melbourne. That That's really positive as well. But as far as our own AFL side, what's what's your future? What does the gut say, do you think? The gut says, and I think like most Tasmanians feel like there will, there will be a team. I think with the two venues, uh, both up north and down south, uh, playing capacity, you can share. I know that, as we all know, the north-south rivalry. Uh, unfortunately, if you can break that down, but in saying that, play half the games up north, half the games down south, where do you reside? I don't think that really matters at the end of the day. Where, where, as long as the players can maximise their time and training and, and so forth, I don't think that's a real issue. It's whatever's best for the players and so forth. It was great to see the re, you know, the introduction of the under-18s back in into the fold there. And I think kids coming through the system, and I know I played state footy when I was at Hobart, but there was that burning ambition to get to the AFL and how do you do that? And playing statewide football at the time at a young age was was done by a lot of us, not just myself. Um, so that that was a way of getting exposure to recruiters and so forth. But I think it's fantastic that the under-18s get that opportunity to be seen. Um, that could maybe still be improved. Look, the, the Tassie Devils, when that was happening, uh, if that can be financially viable, I think uh, it would be good But you know, in that, in that build-up. But to have an AFL team, to, we've got to try and get back some really good players. I think Tasmanians would love to come back even finish their football career or even during it. And if you can get that culture and that, that camaraderie, which I think I think really holds up, uh, Tasmanians are pretty passionate. And I know after any AFL game that I did play, I, I actually made a, made a pact to myself to go and find a, a Tasmanian that might have been playing on the other team just to go up and yeah. say hi and how you're going. And it, it's just a, it's one of those things you can't explain. So I suppose it's a bit like the brothers, you know, the Indigenous boys. They just love catching up with each other after a game and it's very much so as a state I think Tasmania's got an advantage there but in saying that when I think the state I'm I'm out of the state I I was a bit disappointed to hear that you know the school curriculum and the effect of football it had within the school system because it was a big such a big part when I played and like I said those memories of playing in those state finals for the school was tremendous and if you can somehow we can we can get that right in the in the the development programs within the school, whether it's the schools, I'm not sure. Definitely the clubs get that all structured and in place. We'll, we'll start to produce, you know, more talent. I'm sure. The idea of a few of those players finishing their careers. You mentioned a team with Jack Revolt, Lockie Weller, Hugh Greenwood, Jimmy Webster. There's some serious names that would make up a pretty decent list. So I'll put you on the spot, Paul, before we let you go. Five years and then ten years. Are we going to have an AFL team, yes or no, in five years' time? I'd lean to 10. 
just right. to make sure that you get your ducks in a row and yeah. gives you more time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rush it. And I know, you know, like um, I, I would say longer than shorter, but uh, like you say, there, there's enough talent, you know, getting over there and playing in the system and um, hopefully they don't have to leave the state and, you know, can um, keep that alive, really. It was, um, for me, again, um, my own personal experience back then, to play for Hawthorne was, was the thing I wanted to do. And it's just, if you want it enough, you'll get there. Um, I know that. But I think there's some, some, some more building to be done in that space. Paul, really appreciate your time on the Hutchins Old Boys podcast. It's fantastic, isn't it, knowing that you're in Melbourne, I'm in London. We didn't go to school together, but we're, there's something about the Hutchins system and the Old Boys Association that just connects people, and it's fantastic, and I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Well, I hope we actually get to meet physically. I'm sure, um, I think I mentioned uh, off-air, off you know, those reunions that the school does, especially in Melbourne, it's great to catch up with uh, all the different year levels and people that have been involved within the school, and they do a tremendous job in pulling everyone together like that, and I really look forward to that annual catch-up with the Young and Jacksons in it. Um, in the city. Perfect. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hutchins Old Boys podcast. Remember to keep your eye out on all your favourite podcatchers for the very next episode.